we go back to September Kiss releases, specifically Lick It Up 40 years ago, solo albums 45 years ago. Talk a little bit about Asylum. We talk a little bit about Crazy Nights. What was it like buying albums when they first came out? Our memories, and we share our memories of going in, waiting, tracking down, pestering, and making damn sure that new album was in the record store when you walked in there the day they unlocked the doors. We share our memories. This is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Visit threesidesofthecoin.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate you. Hey, Three Sides of the Coin. This is such a rare, incredible (laughs) treat this week. We've got three of us. Now, we have been warned by Mark he might be leaving early. Not Mike. So if we don't stay on on time here, we're going to lose Mark at some point. So we might end with two. But, hey, we're starting with three. Mm -hmm. Have you eaten? Have you already eaten dinner? My lovely and talented has set me up with cashews, turkey, pepperoni, and cheese chunks because I'm fucking hungry. It's been a long day. (laughs) I love this. Mark literally has Liz putting out a hospitality plate for him. It's like his rider for three sides. 32 years of marriage later, 35 together. That's how it's done. I don't know what it is, but there's just something really funny about that to me. There is something so funny. Not that that Liz Liz is doing that for you, but just, yeah, you know, I got salted nuts and pepperoni and cheese chunks <laughs> yeah i know it's funny <laughs> that's no. called love gentlemen i don't know that's more than something than just love i mean katrina loves me but she ain't bringing me food while i'm recording maybe you ain't doing it right <laughs> <laughs> wow how about you tommy is cheryl gonna bring you snacks while you're recording no. She's going to be like, uh-uh. what are you recording? Exactly. She's podcast? Like, what, are you- what, are you, what is a pod? You've been doing a podcast for how long? Yeah. Well, you <laughs> know what's really unusual? This is really strange. So a gal that came over to look at one of the horses, because uh, Cheryl's selling one of the horses, was a listener of this show. Did you know this in advance or did you find no. out when she showed up? I didn't. I never saw her. Never spoke to her. But she was telling Cheryl how much she enjoyed. I don't know, well, one, if one Cheryl was smart, she would have said, "Listen, I'll have Tommy autograph the horse for you." <laughs> <laughs> no, it was funny because I'm sure she was more like podcast. What? What? Why do you know so much about my husband? <laughs> and, and for all of you people that haven't been here since the beginning, it took what was that, was a year maybe, Michael. Yeah, before at least re- at least a year before she realized that I was even on a podcast, and then that you were like, doing this every week. Yeah, yeah, and then she's <laughs> like, "Why would you do that?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" Well, talk about kid, how, huh? Like she just can't fathom. It's been ten years. That's hilarious. Oh, I, I'm just like, yeah. 
<laughs> what do you think I do every Tuesday? She's like, I don't want to know what you do. Every he doesn't Tuesday. want to know what you do every Tuesday. Yeah. So anyways, I just thought that was, it's just a small world, you know? Cool. So yeah. it's anniversary day today. Yeah. So today, oh, wait a second. We've got Tommy here. I'm going to take a shot Ooh. in the dark. Oh, you going to read any comments, Tommy? I haven't even looked at them. Why would I do that? <laughs> you you need to prep me. You need to remind me ahead of time. Or Why just... do I have to remind you of the one thing? Because you're the producer. Like you to try and do. You're the producer. This is your job. Yeah, I make big I'm the yeah. talent. You're where's, the producer. Where, where, where's where's the bucks coming in to pay the producer to remind you just of one thing? Put it in front of me and I'll read it. But you know, come on, man. I got other shit to okay, do. Okay, quick. Open up YouTube and read some comments. Okay. If I have to. It's okay. Mark can keep us entertained eating his Yeah, nuts. Mark, tell us a story. Like the salt off your nuts, Mark, while Tommy's working. <laughs> That's pretty fine. <laughs> no, nice. man. I mean, uh, I, I tell you what, while Tommy's, you know, I was talking to Michael uh, via text earlier and uh, we started talking about, you know, the new Lick It Up came out. Now, I know you guys are going to be surprised, but I don't collect that stuff. Like the new, you you don't buy everything that comes out. That's what you're no, saying. No, no. Um, as you can see, I you know I'm kind of a nut in other ways, but and don't get me wrong, this is a great example of what I say. If that stuff you find super cool, and I think it's super cool too. I, I really like the picture discs that, um, the the, the lick it up picture disc and stuff. And I think it's way cool, but when they first started releasing those, what well, was it about a year now, Mike? Maybe a little more than that. Oh, at they've least been, at least a year they've been doing this. Maybe a year or two. I bought like the first couple ones. And then I remember maybe it was the Alive 2 one where I was seeing people like all bummed out. They're like, you know, whatever. They only made 500. And I was seeing people you know, kind of dejected on some of the KISS sites. And and here I am looking at mine, and I'm like, you know, these, this person I saw is truly bummed out. I'm like, yeah, he couldn't get just, one. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, this is just sitting on my shelf. Probably never open it. I had a bit <laughs> of an epiphany, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to buy stuff where there's bonus content now. And I haven't, and I haven't bought any of the other ones since. And and don't get me wrong, it's not that I don't think they're cool, or you know, I think they are. But again, I, I just, you know, if they're going to make such limited number of some of these things, I'm like, you know, I got enough crap. And I, and and by that, I mean, like I was saying, uh, you know, a couple months ago, you know, over the summer, I. I got some really cool stuff that is pretty high end and pretty rare. And, um, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll just spend my money on, on that stuff. And, uh, you know, and that's what I've been doing. So, but don't get me wrong, you know, uh, whenever there's a new box set with extra stuff on it, I'll, I'll certainly buy that. Um, but, but no extra tunes. Yeah. 
you know, it's funny because I'm noticing a lot of bands following Kiss's lead on, on putting out stuff like that. And I'm like, man, the, for me, it, it's bonus content. Mike, are you a Devo fan? They, they've got a new big box. Not really. Yeah, I, I was one of those bands. It's funny. I, I was talking to some of my metalhead friends recently, guys I've known since high school. It's funny. We're talking about bands that got a free pass, like when we were in high school, because we were all metalheads, huge. But we all liked the police. <laughs> we all almost like Devo. You know what I mean? There was like certain bands that they weren't metal or hard rock, but we dug them and we used to listen to them. The Ramones were another one. Um, you know, a lot of us like that stuff. And I, I tell you what, a lot of people, if you only know, um, you know, Whip It by Diva, you really should listen to that first record. It's It's got some really, really cool stuff on it. And uh, even, I don't know when Fresh came out, it's probably about 10 years ago, maybe more. But they released a, uh, one of their more recent, which was just within the last 15 years, I'm guessing. Um, that single Fresh, I don't know how that didn't, take off it really it's that catchy and it's that good you get a chance uh you know when you're listening to this whatever uh punch that into the old uh youtube uh a uh, song called fresh by devo it was one of their more recent songs and to me i think it's catchy as all hell i i thought for sure this is gonna you know this is gonna be you know be a successful single and just people listening, people who are fans that don't even know it came out, you know, and it's just kind of one of those. Again, it's something we talked about when Doug was on the show. Where's it going to get played? Yeah. You know, because, because a lot of the, even the pop, you know, classic hits of the 80s, it's a, they're only going to play Whip It Up. They're not going to play anything. Yeah. Else. They won't play anything new by any of those classic bands. Yeah. Which is really kind of a bummer, um, you know. But Tommy, uh, you find anything? Yeah, so with Mark, before we I, before we lose Tommy here, I just didn't want to interrupt because Mark was telling yes, you did. about Devo. Yes, no, you I did. Didn't. No, that's what you do. I, I just sit back and whatever. No, there's an overwhelming amount of love for Mark for Michael's trunk. Uh, last week's the show, junk in his trunk. <laughs> yeah, the last yeah the week, junk yeah, in my trunk. The girls he are loving the it. Junk in his trunk. <laughs> yes. Damn. Um, how did I not think of that as the title for the episode? Michael shows the junk in his, in trunk. his trunk. Because God. I'm not writing your copy. That's why. Jesus. Yeah, I was. I I really. I I slipped on that one, people. Yeah, but you can do part two because that's what everyone's asking for. Uh, well, that was that, oh, that, that 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 was it part is. two. We'll do a part three. Way to watch the fucking podcast, Tommy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It says right there, part two. Oh, because I missed it last week. Because I'm looking and going, well, which was the last episode? I don't even remember what we did. And then I'm like, oh, I wasn't there. I completely forgot that we were taping. How much Tommy gives a shit about this show? <laughs> I've been doing this for, what, 11 years now? Oh, my God. I completely forgot I had something to do. No. Every single week. This- We've been doing this for almost 11 years on Tuesdays, all right, yeah, at 4.30 Central. So in all fairness, we moved now it we one switched day. to Wednesdays. Yeah, but it's still, I I, I'm stu- I was sitting there going, yesterday going, oh, wait a minute, we're not taping today. We've moved to Wednesdays. That's what they make it's calendars still so ingrained. for, Tommy. I know, but it's still ingrained in my head. All right, continue. 
Continue about Mike's trunk. Okay. Um, let me see. <laughs> this is uh, Disendale 666 Doug. If Mark wasn't pontificating so much about how much better sports were in the 70s, you may have gotten a much, much further into your footlocker. Egad, 20 minutes of the show. Edit yourself, Mark. <laughs> you see what Mark replied? <laughs> no, I didn't. By the way, that was two weeks ago, Block. That was that two weeks. That was week. the first that oh. was the first episode. Yeah. I, they all look alike to me. I don't know. What do you want me to do? Dude, it's YouTube. They've got different titles and dates associated to them. Well, I know. And normally I just pull up. Okay, here we go. Is this uh, part two? All right. I see it now. It's part two. <laughs> part two. Part two. Oh, God. Okay. Come on. I'm trying to pause this. Son of a bitch. Okay, here we go. Um, comments, comments, comments. Um, Alex Michael. Hey. I wonder if the newspaper article about Ace mentioned the DeLorean. Awesome episode. So much stuff I remember. By the way, Mark, did we meet up in Toronto during Phantom 99? Did you? If Alex says we did, we did. Well, there you go. Okay. Um, and then Robert Stevens 6201 wants to know where you got the Nugent shirt and if it's still available. Oh, you know what? I meant to answer him. I've just been swamped at work. Um, that was bought at the show, and I think Ted's last two dates are this weekend. So, well, so maybe. so if it was bought at the show, I would suggest first place to go his website and follow the store link on his website. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance he might have tour merchandise available through his website. Yeah. An interesting part one that I was on had like. 40 some odd comments part two where it was just the two of you idiots there's six so oh don't don't try you don't even know the difference between part one and part two but those (laughs) six comments are fucking awesome yeah (laughs) i'm just i'm just simply pointing on something that's obvious the, the, the episode you weren't here i fully pulled out all the junk in my trunk dang i laid my junk out there for everybody to see and Mark, it sounds like Mark got a good shot in too. <laughs> so, yeah, I heard the rumor. <laughs> so there you the go, guys. Guy. So that out of after all of that, that's all you got was two comments, and one of them came <laughs> off of the wrong show. <laughs> when was where? Show me where in writing it says that I have to read more than one. Where in writing? Two. Jesus Christ. Can we just get on with this? He's on a hard stop at a certain time. Let's do something here. All right. All right. All right. Obviously, Tommy doesn't want to cooperate. I'm just being Mark. <laughs> Making my own rules. Now go far in life, son. So, so following what Mark was <laughs> riffing about, lick it up, we decided to talk about we normally don't do these kind of shows. We normally don't do, oh, it's the whatever anniversary of this album. Oh, it's the anniversary of that first show. We don't do that stuff. But this was the 40th anniversary of Lick It Up. And then Mark chimed in with like, well, what about we also just expand all of the albums that Kiss has released in September? I Isn't mean, it weird September- though? There's quite a few. Well, yeah. yeah and you know, and, 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 I was thinking about that 
and I'm not saying this is for fact, but that is not uncommon, especially back in the day. Yeah, it's like they got in a pattern. Well, not for, for the music industry in general. So September represents back to school. Everybody's back to school, back to college, back to work. And September is three months out from the holiday season. So by releasing something in September, you're now getting people who are, and Tommy, you, you, you're muted and turned off your camera. So I don't know if you're pulling your junk out or what. Keep your camera off. Yeah, it looks much better. <laughs> um, so during the summer, people are on vacation. You know, people are actively doing other things than worrying about new music and bands and stuff like that. September, you're back to school. You're back to college. Um, it's a good time to start releasing stuff. And in general, a lot of stuff will have at least a three-month lifespan. Even even new releases by artists you've never heard of will probably last about three months before they disappear. So holiday season, you want to get sales out of the holiday season, of course. Big, big, big time to buy music is the holiday season. So you release it in September, and that leads you into November for Thanksgiving and Christmas, end of the year. So I suspect that is part of what drives not just Kiss and Casablanca and Mercury Polygram, but labels in general for a lot of bands to release more product in September. Because you'll also notice, at least in the past, then you would have less releases starting late November through the first of the next year. Because now you, you, you're not... You're, First of all, the old music industry kind of shut down from Thanksgiving to the first of the year. All the holidays and everything else, people were gone again. So you may not have program directors at radio stations. You may not have the staff at the the record label. You may not have the writers at the magazines, whatever. Um, So September and October are kind of perfect dates. But yeah, I mean, September we've, Kiss is released, obviously, Lick It Up, for solo albums, Crazy Nights. Um, what else? Am I missing something? Creatures was October. Uh, Asylum? It might have been a September as well. Yeah. And you might I be right. That was going to be my guess, too. Well, and before we go any further on this, I have a question for you specifically, Michael, because you're much more tuned into this because you're doing. You're muted. I said I want it before you go any further. I have a question, especially for you, Michael, because you have uh, experience and you're always doing the uh, Music Biz Weekly podcast. I had read an article that music sales has topped eight billion dollars this year. But mu- Is that true? Music revenue, yeah. So I mean, that's not. But is just- it coming? But is it coming from? It's all, it's all, it's, it's all revenue. And the vast majority of it comes from streaming. So the only one who's really getting screwed is the artist. Well, let's be honest. And whether it's today or 40 years ago, the artist is always the last one collecting any money They're, You know, they're at the bottom of that 
the income of of money coming in, the waterfall of money. Everybody else takes money first. And then if there's anything left, the artist gets a little bit at the end if they don't owe money back to the record label. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of money in a lot of revenue and sales from music. And that does include streaming, that includes CD, that includes vinyl, that includes every revenue stream with music. Um, streaming is huge, though. There's a lot, there's millions of dollars a day in streaming revenue that are being earned by My the labels, family. most likely. Most likely well, the labels are making that money. Throw something, something happened to me over the weekend. I about fell over. One of my dearest friends, he says, uh, really been digging the new Cooper. And I'm like, you know, I still haven't went to the store and bought it, but I'm going to. Again, just so busy at work. And I said to him, I'm like, did you get it from Amazon? And he said, Spotify. No. He's a year older than me. I about fell over. I'm like, when did you go to the dark side? He goes, dude, I just did. And I have the world at my fingertips now. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've, I've said that before. I've got, you know, thousand vinyl records right there. I love purchasing music. I mean, it used to be my ritual. Every Tuesday, and I don't care whether it was here in San Francisco or Chicago or Minnesota, wherever I lived, every Tuesday, I went to the record store, not looking for anything specific, just knowing that's when new releases came out. And I'd walk the aisles and you'd always pick up a couple new releases. Um, but now I am I'm all in on Spotify because. I have got the entire catalog of music available at my fingertips at a moment's notice the second I get the urge to listen to something. And and I've said this many times on the show, Spotify has, because I've been using it for many years, knows what I like to listen. Knows better than the guy working at that record counter. And every week, Spotify's like, here, Check out these new singles. Check out this new album. These are these are releases by bands you have listened to in the past, and these are releases by bands that are similar to what you've listened to in the past. Because so I found so much music that way. Well, and with the with the admin of this type of scheduling and this type of technology to let you know when something new is coming out that it thinks you're going to like, you would think that a music sales would explode because people are being handed something new that you'd never hear on the radio well and well music sales aren't necessarily exploding streaming is exploding because of that well the rev I, when i say exploding i mean just the revenue because over eight yes. billion that's not chump change no no especially after what the record industry has gone through and you know i will still buy physical product not to ever listen to it i mean the new is new vinyl like i'm looking up here at all of the um kiss off the soundboards they're all still shrink wrap haven't even peeled the shrink wrap off of them any vinyl album i don't peel it peel the shrink wrap off of it because that same album 
I'll listen to on Spotify, but I bought the album because I wanted to support with a little bit more money and because I like the vinyl. But, you know, Mark, to your point also of like, well, you know, I just haven't had time to go out to the record store. There's the other big issue. Where's the record stores? Well, here we've got a couple really good ones. And uh, I, I will tell you, that's still therapy for me. I, I'm not, I don't say that lightly. Going to really two places in general, Barnes and Noble and going to the record store, two things that I do that keep me sane. And there are things I've done my whole life. And there are things that I look forward to doing. And when I do eventually make it out to the record store, hopefully this weekend, there's a few things I'm going to buy, but Coop's, excuse me, new one is, is, is right at the top of that list. So, you know, looking forward to, to getting it, but I, I just thought it was odd that one of my friends who's another vinyl junkie succumbed and said, said that, but you know, I, I, I get it because the convenience is incredible. The, you know, the ability, I, I look forward to every Friday, Spotify's got the release radar, which is new releases that they build just for me based on my listening habits. And every Friday when I wake up in the morning, I log into Spotify and I'm like, let's see who's got new music out. Partially to find new music that I didn't know was coming out. But, you know, as, as we've gotten older, I don't spend, you know, when, when I was in my 20s, my main goal in life was go to work, get through school and follow the bands that I love to find out when music was coming out and you would know about it all the time. Well, I have less time to pay attention to bands going, oh, there's new music coming out. I mean, like I just saw last Friday, Brian Setzer released a brand new album. I love Brian Setzer. I had no idea he was working on a new album. Spotify told me it. Now I can go check it out. So, you know, as life changes for you, it's much more convenient now because, again, Spotify, I just open up and Spotify's got this long list. Here's the new, you know, before the Alice Cooper album was out. Oh, here's the new single that Alice just released, third single off of this. And I'm like, shit, I missed the second single. I can go back and find that second single and listen to it. It's, I, I, I don't fault Spotify for anything. I think it's great. We're, at the end of the day, the artists are not making tons of money off of it. But the reality is that's because that money has to flow through their record label and their manager takes a cut and their you know, the label takes a cut. How many other people take cuts out of all that money before it ever makes it to the artist? It's no different than when you went to Tower Records back in the day and you bought a CD for 18 bucks. Do you think, and, and, and by you, I mean all of our listeners, how much of that money from that $18 CD do you think the, the artist made? Probably a buck at best, but the point at is... is that 
best. Yeah. So even if they're making 75 cents a record, that's still better than what they're getting in streaming. So I guess the point would be when you see these people support them, buy, a, but, buy but, but, something but, but, from them. But, but the point is with Tower Records, Tower Records, the retailer, and Spotify is nothing more than a retailer. Even though you don't leave with any goods, they're a, they're a record store. Tower Records was probably making... 10 bucks off of that CD sale. You think that much? That, that whole, an $18 retail probably had a seven, $8 wholesale price that the label, that the store record store would buy it from, buy it for. So that was what the, the record store is making off of it. That wholesale price, seven, eight bucks is what the label is selling it for. See, and I thought the wholesale price was higher than that. The whole, well, it, and it, I, it could be, but it's just an example here. Yeah. And, and the artist has a contract that says they'll make X amount per album sale based on these conditions. Like, was that CD sold at a discount, first of all, to, so the label can recoup that discount, even though the artist had no say in the manner. Um, let's keep in mind back in the day, there's this thing called breakage that they factored labels factored in all the time that, you know, out of a given box of CDs or vinyl records, really, honestly, a certain number of them are going to be broken. Um, you've got recoupment, you know, Hey, we, you know, we, the label just spent, you know, quarter of a million dollars. And, you know, if you weren't around back in the heyday of MTV, a quarter of a million dollars budget for an MTV video was not unheard of. Um, tour support could be a million dollars in tour support. That's on top of the $2 million plus you might've gotten to go record it at a recording studio because you weren't recording albums in your basement back in the eighties. So all of a sudden, you know, that band owes a label $5 million before they've even released that record. Seems like it happens and really fast. It, it That money adds up really fast. And you got to pay that all back before you see a dime out of any of the, the sales of your record. We went through this when Lisa, remember Lisa? <laughs> when Lisa yeah. was on the show with the documents all kidding aside um you know it wasn't until like 77 that kiss started making seeing, real money yeah because they're and they were they were really getting which i think also to do the because timeline is everything do where the frustration point was starting right before the movie i mean all Building up to that, they were on the road and working nonstop. And as Paul Stanley once said, or I think right around 76, when someone said, what is it like to be rich and famous? He's like, well, I know what it's like to be famous, but I rich. don't know what it's like to rich. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, that goes on a million times. I mean, uh, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard was talking about after Pyromania, they still owed money. Well, yeah, and, I, and I, I remember all those, all those VH1, you know, behind the music, behind the music, they're all filled with these stories. I remember, and maybe it was in the, a poison VH1 behind the music. I mean, Brett Michaels said they had to sell like 2 million albums just 
to break even before they started earning money. Think about that. You got to you got to go double platinum just so you don't owe any money to the label and you can start making money. But if you don't sell anything more than two million, you're still living in your ratty apartment on the street. You're not a millionaire. You just are thankfully don't owe money. I just I just finished well recently within the last month a Geezer Butler's book. And by the end of the 70s, they didn't have anything. Black Sabbath didn't have anything. That was another reason for, for, for Ozzy's frustration. Here they are. So the you know, they went through, you know, the first record came out in 69, and now at 79, you had toured the world multiple times and had a couple golden platinum records. And you you look and go, hey management owns my house and owns my car management is making more money management is making more money my accountant is making more money my lawyer is making more money than i am and i'm the one that created this and i'm the one working my ass off every single night to do this yeah i mean it's ah, the, the you know Bands, artists, musicians are a product. That's all they are. You think the music is the product, but the artist is the product. And if that product doesn't make money, there's no, there's, there's no feelings for them. You are just cut, you're dropped, you're sliced. We stopped selling. You know, who was the guy from Faster Pussycat that we had on years ago? Who was like, we're in the middle of opening for Kiss. We got word from from Electra that they stopped our tour support, and the next day we're not on the road anymore because they decided we're not going to sell any more records. They're done supporting us. That was Brent we're, Muscat. Yeah, was Brent. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's the way it goes. That happened. Uh, matter of fact, again going back, although this guy was never a guest on our show, but I was reading uh, uh, the guy who was in Joe Perry Project right before Joe rejoined Aerosmith in like '84. That happened to them. I think they were in Texas. MCA was like, yep, record's dead. See ya. Yep, we're done. Literally, literally drop you off where you are. Yep. Yep. It's the music business. Business. I mean, business. So, you know, and keep in mind, some of these bands, there might be musicians. There's definitely crew members that are just paid employees that are getting a guaranteed amount of money per show, per week, whatever those people might actually be leaving with more money than the band members themselves because that was a guaranteed payment. That was a salary they were getting as opposed to, you know, band members who won't see money until they've earned, they paid back all the recoupment and then all the other people have taken their slice of the pie. Michael, you know, remember that slice Gene of the pie could be very small. Remember Gene and Paul talking about, the gamble on the reunion tour when yeah. they were telling ace and peter like look you're getting whatever it was a million dollars but there's no guarantee because that's your money paul and i you know if the tour bombs you're still you're walking away yeah, with your money yeah. if the tour bombs uh paul and i are walking away in debt yes and that's the gamble and i will tell you just as a business owner i i've said this outright to my guys i'm like I eat last because that's how a business should be. You pay your employees, you pay your, yep. uh, you know, your suppliers, you pay everything. And if I do my job correctly, 
There should if be some left for you. Yes, there, there'll be money left for me. But, you know, if you're going to be successful in any business, that's how it's done. You have to, you know, pay your labor, pay your pay your materials, pay for everything. And if you do your job right, you'll lead at the end of the day. So, but that's the gamble. Yeah. So what you're saying is just don't do what the owner of Blue Ridge Festival did. Which, I don't know what that is. Oh, it was a huge festival here that turned into an absolute shit show. They had to cancel the last day. And the reason they said it was because of inclement weather and it wasn't the stagehands didn't have showers and they weren't fed and couldn't, didn't have any sleep. So they walked off the job yeah. and the whole thing fell apart. Well, isn't, what was the famous one with the document Firefest? Fire Firefest. Yep. This and is I the same kind of thing in a way. Trying to, what's that, Tommy? Go ahead. This, this Blue Ridge thing is kind of the same thing. Is that recent? And yeah, it was like a week couple ago, weeks Michael? ago. Yeah, couple is weeks. it a rock festival or yeah, rock, rock fest? Festival. Yeah, yeah, Blue, yeah, in- uh, Blue Ridge Rock Festival. Look it up when you get a chance. You'll is it in West Virginia or something? Yeah, I, I think so, West Virginia. But so, so, so back to what we decided. Let's start talking about like memories of Lick It Up being released. Oh, and also Alive expand- and Asylum. Yeah, those are two more September's. I mean, so September is a big month for Kiss albums, but I thought, you know, with it being the 40th anniversary of Lick It Up, and let's be honest, you know, and this isn't going to be a review of the Lick It Up album. No. But the Lick It Up album was quite pivotal pivotal for Kiss in so many ways. And, you know, talking about buying stuff and going to a record store i mean my first my you know lick it up was the first kiss album i knew exactly day and date when it was coming out and i had been calling record stores in advance going are you going to carry it are you going to get it are you going to get it prior to that i didn't know exactly the dates albums were coming out i kind of like knew oh yeah there's a new album coming out this month you know as a kid i wasn't necessarily paying attention to the day but lick it up was that first one and for me and tommy you'll you'll know this it was harpo records in bloomington so they were 10 minutes from my house so they were the closest record store and I'd been calling. It's like, you're going to carry it. You're going to carry it. Day of, I call him in the morning. Did you get it? Yes, we got it. Yes, it's, yes, we've got more than one copy. I mean, that was the other thing is like, do you have enough that, you know, okay, so I'll come after, you know, if I was coming after school or after work or something you like that. You didn't trust him. You didn't trust him either. So you still had to get there as quickly as you possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sometimes they'll say, yeah, we're getting it, but then they don't unbox the stuff right away. It sits in the back, and you've got to pester them to go in the back and unbox it. I had to it. wait for an unboxing one, one day. Oh, the, you know, <laughs> that was, and, that and was they, later they, on, though. They hate wanna, that shit. I want to say it was for you wanted the best in 96. Because if you remember, at, at Best Buy, they came with the phone cards. Yep. yep. And I remember that was advertised heavily, and I remember I ran into some of my KISS buddies we were right when Best Buy opened. We were at the door and we walk in. We, we all like run over there like, uh, where are they? You guys are at, they're like, you're still in the box. And I'm like, 
asked the manager politely, of course. He goes, yeah, Dude. man, the guy, we're like fucking piranhas on a piece of fucking tenderloin, man. He was, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. uh, yeah, but I mean, those are those are great memories, you know. I I will say, and I I know I mentioned it on the show before. Since Love Gun, Love Gun was the first one I got day of, in every record since then, I've got day of, with the exception of the solo albums because I couldn't afford all of them at one time. But I did get, I bought Jeans first just because he was my favorite back in in the day. Um, wah, wah. No, I love that record. That record still, I love, I do. I love that album. I really do. You know why? Because I think Gene's solo record is kind of akin to Welcome to My Nightmare from Alice. It's got kind of different stuff on it, and it's very theatrical in parts. I, I, I really think, I mean, do they sound a ton alike? No, but mm. if you want to get cerebral about it, no, Gene's solo album is very much like Welcome to My Nightmare. It's got like I said, the the that opening on it, and then it's got you know Mr. Make Believe, the Beatles kind of thing, and it's also got you know kind of a funky hard rock thing, and it's got the straight up rock. Whereas like Falcon My Nightmare was the same thing. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that one either. I I, yeah. I was you know as a, as a fourteen year old kid when I got that Gene album, I was so fucking excited to play it because it's Gene Simmons of Kiss, knowing all me. the other Kiss music that Gene's done I'm like this is going to be fucking amazing and I listened to it and I was just like what the hell am I listening to I, for, first track radioactive I'm like, I'm like oh yeah. this is this is going to be great radioactive the just the intro and everything I'm it's like, like the elder okay I'm feeling this I'm feeling this <laughs> and then after that. radioactive I'm like <laughs> what the hell is this this isn't this isn't Dr. Love this isn't God of Thunder this is you were like the stork. What the hell are you supposed to do, you moron? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I don't get this at all. And and I've said this so many times. Peters was even worse than that. I was like, what the fuck? Peter, Peters was, was the only this? one. I'm like, oh boy, when is side one in? What the fuck? <laughs> okay, and let me put that in my record rack, but I'm done with that one. Ace and Paul. Perfection. Those were Kiss albums yeah. on their own. I mean, those two albums, yeah. neck yep. and neck, even neck to this neck, day. Yeah. Even to this day, those are both. I still got it pauls by that much. Just it, be, it just it, it just, just sounds on, like classic Kiss. It just depends on the mood of the day. If I want something a little more crunchy, you know, rough, that's Ace. If I want something a little bit more melodic, a little more melody to it. That's Paul, but they're both brilliant albums. And and you know, to our earlier discussion about you know releasing stuff for the holiday season, that's how I got every solo album. Was they were Christmas gifts from family members? Not you know, me, whether 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 it was <laughs> mom and dad or grandma or aunt and uncle. You know, my parents were telling them, "All right, you go out and buy this this Gene Simmons album." Telling grandma, you buy the Gene Simmons album for Mike, and you telling, you know, my uncle, you buy this one. That's how I got them. They were Christmas presents. I went out with, I still remember this like it was yesterday. My buddy Jeff's dad cut grass and he was retired. He had, his dad was older, but what a great loved him to death. But he, he liked to supplement his retirement income. He, uh, he cut grass. I remember like at a couple of churches. Side, he had an original side hustle. 
Yeah. And, and it was great. He'd take Jeff and I like one of my best friends and we'd go like twice a week and go out. And I'll never forget because I for go buying. I remember cause I got jeans first. We, his dad took us too. Cause we were like, we were saving up all our money from summer to go get the kiss records. I'll never forget. Cause I got jeans and I could have got another one. But I got, uh, I think some girls was new at the time. And I would just love Shattered Ooh, so that's much. That's so good. That record was amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta get that. And, and I, boy, I haven't looked back. That's still, it's funny because I think of, of some girls, Tommy, and Tommy, I think you more relate to this. That was our Stones album because it was My new. Favorite. At the, it was new at the time. They had all this great music already out, incredible music. But when some girls came out, we were 13. that's my stones. Yes. And that was, man, to this day, I, I still can't get enough of that. Of that that's record. how a lot of fans feel about revenge. That's their kiss. Yes. Yes. I get it. Yeah. I, I mean, there, 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 timeline is everything. There is something. There's something very cool at this point to be able to look back and go. I remember when that classic album by this international band was brand new on the radio and nobody knew if it was going to be good, bad, or successful. I mean, I, you know, I remember I've got distinct memories of like Pink Floyd, the wall being played for the first time on KQ or um, Pat Benatar, or Pat Travers, or, you know, bands and songs that when they came out, they were just brand new. Nobody knew if they were good or not that have since gone on to be absolute classics and there's something i mean even like acdc back in black i remember when that was a brand new album and kq was playing it you know everybody's like oh well you know it's a new lead singer and everything else and what's it gonna be and you know i remember hearing that on the radio going holy i mean does that have does that even happen anymore where 30 years from now, somebody's going to go, man, I remember in 2000 when this song was brand new and nobody knew if it was good. And now it's a classic. I don't know. I'd like, I'd like to believe that it will happen. For I think it will. I'd like to believe it. But I mean, Look, Dirty Honey of, said Dirty Honey just released some new music, didn't they, Tommy? I haven't heard about it. I've been kind of behind over the last several months. But, you know, but all, all, all three of us have grown up with you know, whether it was a new Pink Floyd album, a new Rolling Stones album, a new pick a major artist who 40 plus years ago, they were not major artists. They were they were established, but they were not superstars. And it was a brand new album with the single being heard for the first time on radio. And nobody really knew if it was going to be good or bad. Mike, one of, the, one cool. of our future guests that you told oh yeah today i remember when they're after their live record they're just getting some more traction and i remember the hearing the title cut of the following and i was so in love with it and to and to this day but that what you just said is exactly i remember like okay because i they had a little bit of radio play and again this was in that magical time 78 79 because now we're 13 14 and radio much like we said when doug was on was everything to us 
and you start hearing stuff and you're like, oh, I like that. And I like that. And I, like I that. remember when a new Led Zeppelin album came out on radio, oh, yeah. new, new Deep Purple came out on radio. I mean, it was you were excited. You knew the band, but there was no guarantee it was going to be good. There was no guarantee it was going to be massive yet. And there was something really cool about being a kid growing up. Like I, I keep flashing back to Pink Floyd, the wall going, you know, nobody knew Pink Floyd, the wall was going to be the absolute monster it turned into when it first came out. It was just another Pink Floyd album, just another Pink Floyd. And here we're going to play another brick in the wall. And you as a kid grew up over the next few years with that album, that song, that band coming bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Mike, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you a funny story because it all goes back to this sort of what we remember when we were talking a few weeks ago about regional music, my, my brother just kind of surprised my younger brother said, uh, he's like, Hey, I listened to the show, you know, when, when Doug was on, he's like, and he said, this is genuine as possible. He's like, I didn't know Jay Giles wasn't huge nationwide. He didn't know that. Yeah. Because they were so effing huge here. You just assumed they were big. Be because we went, when we, that was, that's when I remember when we went to go see it. Because we've been to a few concerts lately together. And when we went to Pine uh, Knob recently, he's like, hey, listen to that show with Doug. And he's like, I didn't know. I just assumed that they sold out, again, a week at Pine Knob. 15,000 plus a night. That was how big they were here. And he's like, you mean they weren't? I'm like, no, it was, I mean, they were popular, but they weren't doing that in Arizona. They yeah. They, they, they had, they had, you know, they had one song that was on rock radio around the country. That was a staple for most other cities. Unlike Detroit, where it was like that band could do anything they wanted. I mean, it was, I, I got, it was I interesting. I got a couple great examples of that. Clones by Alice was freaking huge here. That was a big single. But it wasn't a smash hit. You wouldn't know it back in 1980 because Clones got played a ton. On the same radio. here. Same here. I loved it. It was phenomenal. It was so different than anything he had done before. Um, and I'll give you another. Matter of fact, Joe Perry talks about it. Let the music do the talking. That song was another huge rock radio song here in Detroit in, you know, in 1980. And in his book, he talks about like, because they were trying to sabotage his, he says, management was, he's like, we'd go to these shows and the kids are like, we can't even find the record. It's like they're, they're CBS or Columbia, whoever it was, just didn't even, because they, they wanted them back. They wanted the golden goose back. You know, right. they want yep. to be back in Aerosmith. But it's just funny when I think about that. And, and you know, also, too, like I said, I have, I've been very fortunate to travel quite a bit. And I, I there's a couple of record stores I go to in the Tampa area, and I find shit that I can't find here. And it's just cool. You know what I mean? It's like the regional, how regional music was. And now... Wah, wah, you know. now, now now there is no region i mean the region is worldwide when you release something it's released worldwide and everybody has 
instant availability to get it. And, you know, yeah, you know, sound like grandpa, I miss the good old days, but I also, again, love the instant access I got, you know, getting back to lick it up. I mean, I remember, Oh, we're talking about licking up today. Lick it up. Yeah. (laughs) Let's bring this back to kiss before we get yelled at. Um, You know, I remember going into Harpo's and it's like, okay, you know, I immediately I walk in and I do a quick scan. Do I see it displayed anywhere? No. Front counter. Where can I find Lick It Up? Uh, it's over there in the heavy metal section. You know, and that album especially, I remember picking it up and just looking at that cover. Just, first of all, brilliant cover because it was so plain stark. The white background with just the band standing there. I mean, it said everything it had to say. And I just stood there and stared at the faces like, this is what they really look like. This is Kiss. And, you know, then quickly run up, pay for it. And that, and I, I have distinct memory of that was probably in my, like, I don't know if it was a Dodge Colt or something like that. You know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to get home. And the album is sitting on the passenger seat next to me. And I'm just looking at it going, it's there. It's right there. It's filled with new Kiss music. I can't listen to it yet. I'm not home. How the fuck can I get home any faster? I've got a new Kiss album. Because again, you know, and timeline meaning everything. As soon as I got home, you drop the needle on it, but then you sit down and start really absorbing the what's going on with my uh what the hell was the that? What was that all about? What the hell was that? Fireworks went off. I saw that. <laughs> no, yeah, it's Katrina under the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was my junk getting excited. <laughs> Um, you know, we 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 get home. And you, you drop the needle on a new record, and what would you do? You would just sit there and absorb the front cover, the back cover, the 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 label on the spine, the you know the insert, everything. You would just look at everything. You would read everything. You would try and who's that person? Who is this person? What? Oh, wait a second. There's a new name here that contributed some music to this. You know. Who's this as a songwriter? I've never heard this name before. I mean, that's the geek in us absorbing it all in. And I think I probably did that more with the Lick It Up album than any other Kiss album, just because it was new music and it was new music following Creatures, which we knew Creatures was damn good. So everything was like, this is going to be even better. And they took the makeup off and you just sat there looking at these guys going, this is what they look like under the costumes, under the makeup, under the boots and trying to just, I don't know, come to grips with this is the same band that did Kiss Alive 2, Rock and Roll Over. These are the, you know, obviously other than Vinnie Vincent and Eric Carr, but it was, these are the guys that were doing that. These are the guys I saw on the Creatures of the Night tour. I mean, it was just, it was a strange experience 
And it's hard to describe if you've never lived that sort of experience. It it will that will never be captured by streaming services. Amen. Never. Well, but also, too, uh, there's a component that plays into that that I think is worth mentioning. Before the internet, for you young kids, there was mystique, there was magic, there was, um, it's like old Hollywood. They they held these people up to a different standard, and it created a different view of the world from where us as kids were standing. So to Michael's point, it's like what he had said in one of the episodes many years ago about, I'm in the same building with them. Some of that is not lost because you have your super pop stars now today where people are geeking out on that. But there's there was something that doesn't exist anymore. And, and I think part of it too, as he describes this, he's literally taking me to the record store with him. I would say that our experience was parallel. And funny, I, I went to the same record store to get it, but I went to the downtown location. Because I could just hop on a bus and I'm down, you know. Uh, but I know what you mean. It just, it there's this excitement that I would think that people who feel the same way would be someone who is a huge Star Wars fan, who's been a Star Wars fan forever and a new Star Wars movie is coming out. Yep. It's it's that kind of, of thing. I don't know how else to piece it I mean, together. No, it you're words. 100% right because, you know, we would know we'd know the date the album's coming out and it's on your calendar at home. It's circled on your calendar. You've been counting the days, the months, the weeks down to this. You've, you have for all that it's possible to do changed your whole life. So that one day you can go get a record. Like I, I can't work today or I got to get out of work early or Hey mom, I need the car today. Can you go shopping tomorrow? I mean, literally, those are the things you would do back then. You would build your entire life around. I have to get there the moment that store opens and I have to call every day for the week leading up to it to make sure they know I'm coming to get this and that they are getting this in. So because we've all all had that same thing happen where you show up and they're like, oh, no, it didn't come in. And you're like, fuck, now I got to go find the next closest record store. And hopefully they didn't sell out of it. You I know? can't so even. You, yeah. And, and I can't tell you how many hours of school we skipped to buy concert tickets to be there the morning of release wise, like Mark was saying about being a, a pariah. I, I'm telling you, we went in the same way. So it's like if that record was in your store and it's tuesday morning at 1001 and the mall just opened you better have that shit out i don't care about peter yeah. gabriel i don't care about van morrison but you better have I, that I, new I, kiss if, record if you, out if now you, if you tell me it's still in a box in the back room i'm standing at the cash register until you go back and open the box and get it out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i am not leaving because I know in this same store is some brand new Kiss music. And I'm here for that. So I am not leaving until I get it. So, I mean, Lick It Up was the first one that I had that whole experience. Now, the other ones we talked about, like Asylum and Crazy Nights in the 80s, 
that experience was, I still knew the day and date, but I had already been involved in college radio and new record, record labels at that point in time. So I had advanced knowledge of when singles were coming out. I had gotten the singles sent to me to play on the air. You know, quite often the album was being sent to me the week it was coming out. So a lot of that was gone. Um, but lick it up and heavens on and 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 animalize, I think were the 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 last two albums that as a consumer, I purely did it a hundred percent as a consumer. I wasn't in college radio, I wasn't in the business, I didn't have any insight into anything. Because I think I think animalize I drove to Northern Lights and St. Paul to get it because they were the only one that was confirming for me over the phone that they were going to carry. So I drove all the way to St. Paul to get it. But again, you know, you're, you're in a car, you're like, Oh, it's going to take me 45 minutes to get here. And it's like, I can't get there fast enough because you know, there's new kiss music waiting for you to listen to. Of course, then I I had to turn around and drive all the way home. I remember the books that, again, because I was such a little pest and I went to the same music stores all the time. They'd have the old computer, I don't know if it was a Telex or whatever, pages. And they'd have up to like a month of like when the new, and I'd always ask, (laughs) you know, can I see the book about the, you know, the upcoming releases at harmony house and the you know the guy or the lady would let me scour over it and i'd go oh you know i didn't know that was coming because really the only way you'd know that michael is like the ads and hit parader and in circus ads ads or if if a dj happened to mention it because they were a fan and they knew about it because i was just going to say so now like when when you've got lick it up and lick it up, it's out. And we've talked about this before. We knew that next year there was going to be a new kiss album. You just knew it was a given every year. There was going to be a new kiss album. So yeah, two or three months down the road, I would start calling record stores again, going, have you got, have you heard anything about a new kiss album? I know lick it up just came out. Have you heard anything about a follow-up album? And I'd be calling them once a month. If you heard anything, if you heard anything. And that's that's about the time I also realized, holy shit, Polygram's got an office in Edina 10 minutes away from me. I start calling Polygram. I'll just go going, bug them. I'll just go bug the record label and go, so what's the word on a new Kiss record? Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be uh, in four months or whatever. Okay, I'll call you as it gets closer. But that meant like every fucking week. Is it closer yet? Have you got have you got a name? Have you got a date yet? Well, I mean, Michael, it, it, what, what you just described happened to me just a couple days ago. Um, my buddy Joe sent me because I'm a big fan of the band Gillen. Unfortunately, they didn't do anything here in the United States. And eventually the record companies went, well, let's try that other deep purple offshoot on white snake. They should be, they should sell some records. But anyways, unfortunately they didn't do that with Ian. And by that point, you know, deep purple was back together and he did the Sabbath. But anyways, the band Gillen, I loved. 
And Michael, much like you, I found out about all that stuff and Kerrang and, you know, all the new wave of British heavy metal. And anyways, but my buddy was like, Mark, did you see this? There's a new Gillen six CD box. And I mean, this is just like two days ago. So I put out on my Facebook, I'm like, I know some of my music nerd fans have got to know something. And I figured it would be somebody over in Europe. Matter of fact, Adrian chimed in. But Ash, a guy I met, great guy. Thank you so much, by the way. And and later, a couple other friends from overseas. But he's like, here you go. And he sent me information on it because all it had was on the Amazon stuff. And there's they're not really detailed, you know, right. on that. And fortunately, um, Ash sent me something from a Deep Purple website that knew, I guess this was proposed in July. I just found out about it now. Again, you know, think about it, though, too. Gillen, and and again, if you get a chance, all six of those records, he did six solo albums. And, and not to be confused with the Ian Gillen band, but Gillen. Just okay, great- oh, stop, stop. If you're going to promote this. Can you give some years of when this transpired and what the difference between those two are? The Ian Gillen band, when he left in the mid set, well, he left purple in 73, but by the mid seventies, he released a a few records, but they were kind of jazzy fusion kind of, he was trying to do something different. Matter of fact, I I love the story in his autobiography. He's like, our people who like me liked, you know, the deep purple sort of music. And he goes, we came out and we're doing plink, 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 you know, that sort of, and he goes, they want to rock. So when he finally, finally, like after a couple of years going, boy, I'm not doing too well. Oh yeah. the I forgot about the fans. Well, we put on music that the fans like, and that band crushed it over in the UK. I mean, anybody over there knows that those were, those, I think, matter of fact, I think he did about over six albums. I think he did about 10 million in sales throughout. It's worldwide sales, but they're almost all exclusively, you know, European, UK. Those records, to this day, I've never heard a Gillen song on the radio. And and I'm talking satellite radio. I'm talking commercial radio. And those records are so effing good. If you get a chance, I tell you what, if you've never heard any of Ian's solo stuff, get uh, uh, Future Shock. I, I think I think you'd like that title track, Future Shock, or Unchain Your Brain is another one that's very deep purplish. But uh, yeah, anyways, um, you know, when I put that out, I'm like, oh my God, there's a six CD retrospective. I didn't even hear about it. You know, and uh, like I said, I, uh, a couple of my buddies in Europe knew about it and uh, looking for what, what I wanted to know is what are the sources of the shows? That's because in the initial Amazon description, it just says live show from 78. And I'm like, there's a couple sneaky labels and they were putting on bootlegs, bootlegs, like bootleg bootlegs, like audience ones. And matter of fact, the Humble Pie one, because I bought the Humble Pie series. But the difference was the Humble Pie one said, hey, there's of these six CDs in here, three of them are audience recordings. We're putting these out just for historical purposes. This is how things went. And just so you know before you buy. And there was a sticker on the box that said that, that, you know, a couple of these are 
hey, you know, I bought them anyway because I'm a big fan, but you want that honesty. And I didn't get that with, you know, when I was going through that right. on the Amazon thing, it just is, I'm like, eh, there's more. Matter of fact, I, I got a hold of uh, Martin Popoff too, because he's a big Gillen fan. He likes that stuff too. And we were talking about that today. And uh, anyways, so, uh, you know, that can still happen. You can still be surprised by a release. Oh yeah. And not really find too much stuff on it online. You know, because I couldn't find anything on that Gillen thing. And sure enough, it was on some of the, you know, the, the deep purple fans. I guess I didn't look hard enough, but hey, my friends came through. So thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, back to the, the Kiss releases, it was it was it was different buying these albums when they came out, especially especially Lick It Up and and the solo albums which just celebrated 40 and 45 years respectively of their releases i mean first of all 40 years that 40 years ago look it up came out i i I can't comprehend that do you remember your initial reaction upon listening because mine was good and it's funny because it's remained the same to this day i really liked it a lot and i went to the tour which was almost almost to the date a year after Creatures. I, yep. I think Creatures was February 23rd at Kobo. And I want to say, and that was 83. Lick It Up, I think, was February 18th uh, at Kobo Hall, 1984. So they're almost, almost, you know, a year apart. And I remember I loved Creatures so much, as I still do to this day. And I thought Lick It Up was close. I, I It was close. It wasn't quite as good because I was thinking of this today as well. Lick It Up is not, in my opinion, as heavy as Creatures. Yes. It's a little more... Polished. Polished, a little more melodic. It's a little more radio-friendly. Um, and, you know, musically, I loved it. I mean, it was but one of those They had to where do that. They, they, they had to do it. I mean, they, they were... It was a gamble, but I think it was a pretty safe gamble taking the makeup off for them at that point in time. And they didn't, the music excel, itself wasn't like all of a sudden they went back to Unmasked or they went to the, you know, they, they stayed pretty tried and true to creatures and they, to the typical kiss sound you as a fan would have expected. I mean, let's look it up as, as you know, that's, that's kiss through and through. Um, you know, I, I love, uh, on the eighth day as well. I mean, I think that's, oh, me an, too. Love that's, it. that's highly overlooked song off of that album, but let's also remember this was, you know, all hell's breaking loose. That was rap. That was a little right field for kiss for sure. Um, but the rest of the album more than made up for that little bit of a right turn they made with, with all hell's breaking loose. Uh, the tour, I don't know. I, I was, I was excited because I was going to see kiss without makeup, but I was greatly disappointed when it turned out to be the exact same show. Same as show fucking creatures. So. <laughs> I was just like, to your, to your point, Mark, I'm like, I fucking saw this one year ago. Yes. Just one year ago. I, I mean, God, I I'm, I'm just, way. and I'm like, the tour book, all you fucking did was took the tour book and put a fucking box over it. I mean, so 
you know, hindsight, we know financially things were rough right in that period for Kiss. We didn't know that as kids. I was just like, what the fuck? Why didn't we get a new stage? Why, you know, why did, why are you repurposing artwork? You know, what's going on here? This doesn't make sense. Um, but it was, you know, to me, it was, Kiss was exploding into the public eye of being acceptable. And something about that as a Kiss fan, I was like, fuck the rest of you. I, I stood here and took all the crap. And I'm here when you're finally coming around to realizing these guys are good. So, it, it, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a time as a Kiss fan where I could kind of look around and go, see all you fucking rock fans. I told you these guys were good. I told you. And I don't think Lick It Up let down musically at all. It wasn't, no. it wasn't until Animalized that things started yes. to get a little fucking, you know, that that's when they wanted to change guitar players and become, you know. I found uh, that record. And Gene checked out. And, yes. I, I found that record lacked. It was just disingenuous. I didn't like it out of the gate. Although I mean, it's funny. I love um, uh, Had Enough. It's still one of my favorite Kiss songs of all time. I, well, I, I love Heaven's on Fire and I love Thrills in the Night. But the rest of it didn't feel like a cohesive album. Well, for me, like I Had Enough isn't a Kiss song. It is not a Kiss song to me. But I like it a lot. It's one of those songs that's like, that doesn't sound like Kiss to me, but it's, and again, Timeline Guys, that song couldn't have been on really any other record other than maybe Creatures or Lick It Up. That wouldn't have, you think I've had enough would have fit on, or they could have even written a song like that for Unmasked? No. No, it, it's just, it's exactly. It was just a sign of the time sort of song. And again, I love it. It just didn't sound like the band I fell in love with. That's all. And 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 I felt like when um when um Asylum dropped, that felt like a better album to me. Now, I'm not talking about the visuals, the cover, the makeup, the clothes, whatever I'm you with, want. To I'm talk with about. you, Mike. I thought it was a slight improvement. The, the, but... the, the, the music was more cohesive. It sounded more like a 70s classic hiss than than animalized did then that i wouldn't go as far to say but i'd say the music improved you could tell they were now comfortable in their own skin or at least the current skin yeah whereas you know because because why they you know they went there all that you know tumultuous couple of years they'd settled on their guitar player is basically what had happened i mean bruce brought stability back and, and listen, there were good there were good songs on on Asylum. Um, I, I will always say it's one of the most underrated Kiss albums because too many people just judge that purely by the cover and the stage close. That's it. They don't really give the music a chance. I mean, there's some great. I mean, Eric's got some great drum sounds on that album. I, again, King of the Mountain, same thing. Doesn't sound like a Kiss song to me in the traditional sense. I like it a lot. Um, I, I have a little bit more of a. I, I thought 
I thought Asylum was more genuine um, overall, but I still just didn't, again, didn't sound like Kiss to me. It, 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 I, I, you know, to me, it sounded more like they remembered the classic Kiss sound as opposed to Animalized. There was nothing Kiss about that. Even Lick It Up. Hey, listen, as much as I love Creatures of the Night, in the scope of Kiss music, Creatures of the Night is not a classic Kiss sound. Creatures of the Night is a very heavy album, and it's a great album, but it's, it's to me, not what I would call, if, I, if somebody said, what does Kiss sound like? I would not say, go listen to Creatures of the Night. Now, I felt like Asylum had a little bit, it wasn't all the way back. They hadn't found it completely, but I felt like they had realized, oh, we're no longer trying to be a heavy metal band. We're no longer trying to be a bumblebee band. We're now going to try and become more of what we used to be while still dealing with the influence of the 80s. That, if all that makes sense. It, it, those, that whole era, and it's funny, it's reflected on my iPod because... I have from Animal Eyes through Hot in the Shade. That's all one mix. And I've got just, I've kind of made like a best of, because there's so much stuff I don't like on those records, especially Hot in the Shade. Just, just well, not a nothing, very yeah, that That's not a good one. And, and I'll be honest, most of what I didn't like on those albums during the 80s were Gene songs. But well, we also so know Gene... Out of, he was so yeah he was so completely checked out he was just he was just mailing in here's six tunes paul work yeah, with put it. these on the record um, put these on the records you know it's, you know again I'll, I'll always go back to what the fuck was burn bitch burn that was that that was like a song that could be written by a garage band not by somebody as legendary as gene simmons I, I, I look, I think Paul had an eye to whatever was selling, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, you can look at some things like Read My Body or just horribly, aping, oh God. you know, uh, yeah. pour some sugar on me. I was like, ugh. And it was, you know, I, again, and look, I, I, you're not going to find a bigger Paul Stanley fan <laughs> musically than myself. But look, I, you got to be able to call that out, you know, when. It's just not up to snuff. And yep. that's another reason why I like revenge so much. They got it. it. At least in my heart, they they're like everything from the visuals on down. I mean, that that's proof proof positive that he didn't have to wear makeup. They just had to be true to themselves. They had to be true to themselves, but I think they also had to bring a producer in who could sit there and tell them that song fucking sucks. Rewrite this. Get rid of that bridge or whatever i mean i've said this that's so what many times on the needed. show there's so that's many what songs it needs 100 i'm like god if ezrin was there that record they would have never made they would have never made it to the studio with those songs <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong there's some quality choruses but matter of fact uh, you know speaking of paul stan there's some quality choruses you know uh, love me to hate you I and mean, there's some good good choruses but they it's needed funny. a lot of polish Yes. And they, they, yeah, they needed everything from bridges to production. I mean, uh, 
again, a lot of that just wasn't really well written. They sounded like demos. It's funny because years later you go, well, Christ, that's pretty much what it is. It, it, it isn't a cohesive, professionally done record. It's, you know, this is what we're doing and we're going to make it on the cheap. And, you know, it is what it is. That the test of time is is also too. You know, oh yeah, those records haven't aged well in you know uh, for a reason. I, mean, I I just don't think the fans you know are. I don't know. I I don't I don't think those represent what the fans love overall. That's all. So I mean. That was kind of our discussion That's of it. Kiss albums out of September. Some of our memories. And I think homework is, you know, like, what's your memory of buying Lick It Up when you first got Lick It Up? And even if you weren't around when it was first released, what was your memory of the first time you heard it? You yeah. did. You, you heard it, even if that but was it, just a year way. ago. If you're a younger fan, can you do this in the comments? Because I appreciate this stuff. Say you became a KISS fan in 1994. When you bought Lick It Up, was was it like one of the first ones you bought because it was a big song? Or did you already have the early calendar? I would love to know what your opinion is of Lick It Up if you didn't buy it when it was new. Like, do you follow what I'm saying? If, yeah, if I you, mean, did, did did you buy it just to fill in your your Kiss catalog, or did you buy it because it's it's an important album? And what was your take on that whole album? Because you, yeah, I'd like to get their reaction from a different point of view, who wasn't there like us the day ours it was, was in real time. There's a huge difference. Again, I go back to the lit, to uh, music from the Elder all the time with this. Look, the reason our our memories are like this because that's what it was. You can't change that. It was so far out in left field to the band you fell in love with. That's a, I, I will admit some of that drives me mad. I'm like, it's the greatest kiss album. I mean, look, you're free to say that it's music subjective, but no, it's not. Sorry. It, when there's a reason that thing's not, you know, multi, multi flat. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason the band doesn't even love it. Yeah. There's a reason the band couldn't tour behind it. Okay. Yeah. That, that's why. That's all. And uh, with that, gentlemen, um, you want to wrap up and we'll do a quick. Yeah. Quick yeah. So you guys, you guys, you guys know your homework. So leave us your answer about lick it up or even, even the solo album, same thing, you know, cause that's a 45th anniversary um, release. Um, what was your memories of acquiring the solo albums? How did you acquire them? Where did you acquire them? Did you get them right away? Did you wait like I did and they were Christmas presents? From various family members. Um, or did you get some girls instead? <laughs> yeah. Did you get something else instead? Yeah, exactly. Um, there you go. That's it for this week on Three Sides of the Coin. We'll see everybody next week. Do you have something to say? Leave a voicemail or send us a text message. Call 320-515-VOICES for Three Sides of the Coin. Provided by... LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.